Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened, and we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged, and we love you. God bless. Hey, thank you for being here today. It is an awesome day outside. It's beautiful, but it's even better in here, and I'm glad that you're here. And we're going to have a great time together over the next, I don't know, 90, 120 minutes. I'm just kidding. Uh, I, t- I will tell you this. Uh, what I normally do, we're in, we're in week six of this series, and I normally go through the first five weeks or the f- previous weeks and kind of give you a little review. I'm not going to do that today. I, I want to jump right into what, what I feel like God's laid on my heart. If you want a review, then listen to last week's online and add everything you hear today and then you'll have you'll have a pretty good review Uh, our series text has been mark chapter 6 verse 2 it's in your bulletin it'll be on the screen behind me and uh, here's what i'm gonna ask you before i read the scripture here's what i'm gonna ask you i'm gonna ask you to 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 zone in with me for a little while okay because i'm gonna tell you what what i gotta give you i i gotta hit you like you know you gotta drink from a fire hose over the next few minutes um but I promise you, if you'll absorb as much of this as you can, it'll change your life. That's a pretty bold statement, by the way, isn't it? For me to say, if you'll do what I'm going to talk to you about today, it'll change your life. That's a pretty bold statement. But I believe it. I believe it. So here we go. Mark chapter 6, verse 2 says, When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they ask? What's this wisdom that's been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing. I love that phrase, and many who heard him were amazed. Will you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that over the next few moments, you speak clearly to our hearts. God, I believe that you've got a system and a purpose and a plan and a process of how we're supposed to live our lives. And God, I believe you laid that plan out in your word. And God, I believe that if we'll pay attention to what you said, and we'll seek you first with all of our heart, God, that you'll bring those processes into place in our own lives, in our families, in our finances. We love you, Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, uh, today we're going to talk about this, that Jesus taught about money. Everybody say money. And and those of you that that maybe have have only started coming over the last little while, the way I'm going to talk to you today will not be that big a deal. But if you've been coming for a long time, there was a time when I just didn't like talking about this. I really, really didn't. You see, all pastors, all preachers have their like go-to topics. I like to talk about prayer and grace. And and I like to talk about how God's got a purpose and a plan for your life. I love to talk about all those things. And and those are my go-to things. And some pastors, some preachers don't like to talk about certain, some some pastors don't like to talk about sin or end times or marriage. I don't like to talk about money. I really didn't, and, and I think it was because I had grown up in an environment where, you know, every time you went to church, you got a sermon at the offering about money. You know what I'm talking about? And, and it was like, it was this overarching, just continual, and I didn't want to be that guy. 
And so I didn't talk about it a lot. And, you know, early in our ministry, it really wasn't a big deal because we were youth pastors for so long, and teenagers don't have any money anyway. So it really wasn't that big a deal. But then something happened. We planted this church, and then people would call me, and we would talk in, in an office. Or For years, my office was Starbucks. It would be there or over a dinner table or after church. And I started noticing this trend that people would come to me with. And, and it seemed like there was this underlying common denominator that folks were struggling with. They're either struggling with sex or money. Calm down, we're just going to talk about money. It's all good. And so what I've learned over the last little while is that it's a big deal. In fact, I wish I had it to do, I wish I could get in my Back to the Future DeLorean and go back and, and spend a little more time with the students that God blessed me to, to work with about this deal. Because can I tell you, it's a lot easier to teach a 16-year-old about this than it is a 45-year-old that's going through bankruptcy. You with me? In fact, I wish I would have learned these principles many, many years ago. Things that I'm going to talk to you about today. Um, money's a big deal. It's one of the most mentioned topics in the entire Bible. Jesus taught about money more than he did heaven, more than he did hell. In fact, the book that we're going through on Wednesday night called God's at War, you ought to pick it up and read it if you're not able to come on Wednesday night. Kyle Ottoman says this, of the 38 parables Jesus tells, 16 deal with the subject of money. Almost half of Jesus' parables deal with money. So it's a big deal. Not only that, money is, a, uh, is one of the leading causes of marital difficulty. But here's the problem that I found. As churches, what we taught was how people are supposed to deal with 10% of your income. We want to teach you that, hey, you want to be blessed, tithe. And, and all the rest will just work itself out. But how many understand that God's words, God's principles about money go far beyond what you drop in the offering bag? God's principles go far beyond just the 10%. I believe God wants, that Jesus wants to teach us about how to handle it all. And just, just so I can, just so you'll understand that I'm trying to do this with, with, with integrity and credibility. You know, what we, you know what we usually do when we talk about money? We take the offering at the end. Right? Listen, this is not about, okay, well, the church needs to raise some money for their budget, and so we're going to talk about money for a couple weeks. That's not, what I, that's not what this is about. I'm not going to, we're not trying to manipulate you into that. This message is not about raising money for the church. I want you to hear me and hear me well. What these principles are about are changing your life. And your family's future. Period. No. Don't, I don't want you to misunderstand me either. We teach at LifePoint the biblical tithe and we should be generous givers. We teach that. We believe that. There are those of you that have caught on to that. And, and, and frankly, I, don't, I don't really don't, and if Mike were here, he would tell you, 
I don't pay attention. Here's what I know, though. During, and, and you may have guessed this, figured this out. Our attendance will go up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. But here's what you need to know. Our giving is almost at a steady, it, it doesn't fluctuate with our attendance. You know why that is? Because some of you got it. Some of you understand that this is God's plan, and it just works. It just works. So, um, I, I just believe that Jesus wants to teach us about all of it. Now, here's, here's what I know about you. Here's what I, know, what I know about you. And I know this about you because I've had enough conversations to know this about you. That you think that most of your problems will be solved if you had more money. I'll prove it to you. If you're over 40, kind of wave at me. Huh? Just barely. All right. I want you in your mind to get a dollar figure of your household income. Okay? And in your mind, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back and tell your 20-year-old you that in a few years, that will be your income. And here's what your 20-year-old would say. Your 20-year-old you would say, I'll never have to worry about anything. If I can make that much money, I won't have to worry about my home. I won't have to worry about my car. We can go to Panama City three times a year. We got it, we got it covered. If I can make that one day, oh. But guess what? It's not true, is it? So I know that about you. I know that you think if, if, you're, if you had more, your problems would be solved. I know that you think that if you had more, you'd be happier. I know this, that for the married couples in the room, it either has been, is now, or will be a source of conflict. Period. I know that many if not all or most of us, worry about money. You're either worried about how you're going to get it or how you're going to keep it. i tell you what else I know. I know that we live in the microwave generation because we want what we want and we want it now. We want it right now. And here's what else I've learned. Not only are we the microwave generation because we want what we want and we want it now, but when we mess up and drop the ball and get in trouble financially, we want God to fix it right now. You with me? We want God to fix it right now. You don't want to wait on the process. You don't want to wait on discipline. God, I need you to mail me a check right now because the car payment's due on the 20th. You with me? We want God to fix it. Right now, and here's what I do know. I know that God is a God of process. And if you'll open this book, here's my great goal for you today. And, and, and I, I don't want to say you condescendingly, because I'm on this journey with you. And what I'm really asking you to do is to jump on this journey with me. And let's learn about what God teaches about our, financial, about our freedom, because, about our finances, because there's freedom at the end of that process. Just so I know I'm talking to you. If you don't mind, how many of you would say that there's been a time in your life when you worry about money? Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. 
So here, here's the deal. I'm not going to throw a bunch of mindless statistics at you because somebody said that 74% of all statistics were wrong. <laughs> Let this simmer just a minute. <laughs> but here's what I do know. That depending on how, what, what survey you read, that you're living in what is likely the richest country on the planet. That you're living in the midst of of a people that has more cash go through their hand than any other people on the planet. In fact, if, if, you're, if you're watching the like, Republican debates and the Democratic debates, there's this phrase that they throw out a lot. It's called the 1% or the one percenter. And what they're referring to is the top earners in our nation, the top 1% of our, and those are the bad, evil, rich people that we should tax more than, well, we're not going there. But let me tell you about the real 1%. Likely, many, if not most of you in this room, are in the 1%. What if I told you, what if I said, think of a number in your head that the top 1% of wage earners in the world made at least this amount of money. What do you think it would be? What do you think it would be? The top 1% of all the wage earners on the planet. Here's the number, $33,000 a year. Now, maybe you don't make $33,000 a year, but I bet you can see it. I bet you, if you're not there, you, it's on the horizon. How many of you would agree $33,000 a year isn't a tremendous amount of money? Would you agree with that? It's, it's not an awful living, but it, you, don't think, you don't think wealth when you hear $33,000 a year, do you? You think beans and rice, right? Hey, you've eaten worse than Raymond noodles. Hot and spicy, crunch them up. So here's the deal. You live in the top 1% of the world. More money goes through your hands than anybody else on the planet. I'm going to give you an example of our first world issues. There's going to be a little picture pop up on the screen. And it just happens to be my Starbucks card. I threw this, I threw this on, on social media the other day because I looked down at my, my little app on my phone where my Starbucks money is. Yes, I have an app for that. Don't judge me. <laughs> and, it, and, and there was 47 cents on there. I cried like a child. And... and I was so distraught that I threw it on Facebook, and I was whining because I only had 47 cents. How many know you can't buy anything for 47 cents at Starbucks? You know that to be true? Yes. And let me tell you what happened. In just a little while, somebody took pity on me and went on Starbucks' website and got some money from their website and, and sent it to me by email. Those are the problems we have in, in first world. That I had to delay my Starbucks for an hour and a half while somebody took pity on me and sent me cash to go buy Starbucks. Those are, those are our issues. So I told you that to tell you this. Let's just, let, let's just call it what it is. If we've got money problems, and, and I bet that we do, I bet there's a lot of money, there's a lot of debt, there's a lot of stuff represented even in a room this size. Let's not call it lack. Lack. Because it's not because of lack. 
We can't stand before God and say, you just didn't give us enough when we're the, the, the richest people on the planet. It's lifestyle. It's not lack. It's lifestyle. So we're going to look at one of the things that Jesus taught us about money in the book of Mark. Um, and then for the rest of this morning, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you little snippets uh, of what the Bible says about being stewards of our money. And here's what I want you to do. Don't expect me to lay out the whole plan for you in the next 30 minutes. I can't do it. I hope that it grasps your attention enough that you go on a journey and that you, you start down the process. Because here's, here's the deal. I, I'm not going to take the time to read chapter and verse for everything I say today. We'd be here till 2. It, everything I'm going to talk to you about are based on biblical principles, period. If you, if, if you disagree with that, then... It's just there, and we can, we, we, you know, call me later. So here's the deal. Jesus um, is standing, watching as people are given the offering, and here's what happens. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd, excuse me, getting the money, watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And see, you know what we'll do many times is we'll read that scripture and, and we'll, we'll wrap a sermon around it that says, okay, you need to give more. And can I tell you that there's so much more that Jesus taught us with that little, those couple of paragraphs and you need to give more. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. So here we go. If you're taking notes, write this down. You can either hold money or it can hold you. On our Wednesday night series that we've been going through called God's at War, here's what we've been learning. The whole premise behind God's at War is that there's all of these other gods, little g gods, that compete with our heart for the place where God needs to sit. And one of those, those gods is the God of money. And here's what we learned. And I, I thought it was, a, it was a brilliant yet simple Completely simple illustration. How many of you have been looking at my shirt funny over the last little while? Yes. Some of, some of you who are, are, are like detail-oriented went, who is dressing that man? And if you, if you haven't been here, if you've been here on Wednesday nights and you knew it right away, right? Donna, did you know what I was doing? Okay, so. So, Yeah. Hey, the day she starts dressing me on stage is the day you're probably going to kick me out as being your pastor. What's this? How many of you know that in our life that we got a lot of buttons in our world? And just as it relates to the area of finances, look, you got, you got your mortgage and you got your rent and you got your car payments and you got other bills and Comcast and blah, blah, blah. Just, and here's what, what we're learning in the gods of war is that none of that stuff lines up like it's supposed to if we don't take the time to button the top button right. See, when you button the top button right, 
Guess what? Everything else just lines up like it's supposed to. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things are added to you. So you can either hold money or it can hold you. And if you're here this morning and, and you can say with conviction, I, I hadn't buttoned the top button right. I'm not seeking God first in my finances or anywhere else. See, I, you're, you came to the right place because we're going to talk about that today. Here's, what, here's a, a little, a little uh, thing that I, I say this a lot when we're talking about this. How many know God owns it all? It all belongs to him anyway. And, and we have this fear that, you know, if, if we line up with what God wants us to do, that he's going to take all our stuff. Do you, do you know that the exact opposite is true? That God wants to, uh, to, to give into your world, into your life? Here's, here's what Kyle Ottoman said in God's Word. This is a beautiful quote. Listen to this. Get out of God's bed and walk into God's bathroom. Turn on God's shower and then put on God's clothes. Eat God's cereal and drink God's coffee. Get in God's car and head to work. When we start to see all of our resources as God's, it helps us develop an attitude of gratitude that leads to a heart of worship. You know, you can look, or I can look at my W-2 at the end and think, look how much money I made. You didn't make anything. There's one creator. He created heaven and earth. And spoke life into your lungs. Breathe life into your lungs. And when he stops, you're gone. Period. You don't own anything. And what we are called, we're called to be stewards of what God has blessed us with. A steward's a manager. So here's a question. We're going we're to get a little practical now, okay? If God owns it all, and he asked you how you spent his money last, week, last month, could you give him an answer? Could you tell God how you spend his money? Proverbs 27, 23 says, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Can I tell you that if we're managers, then we need to be able to give an account for how we spend God's money. Just a thought. You can either hold money or money can hold you. God owns it all. Write this down. That God will supply all your needs. How many believe that, by the way? On His terms. I'm going to give you something, and you're not going to like it. I I can tell you now that you're going to push back on this. But I'm just going to read you Scripture and ask you to answer your own questions. Okay. How many have heard or seen on a bumper sticker or seen on a Facebook meme And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. How many have seen that, heard that, seen it somewhere? Okay, my God will supply all your needs. Who's your? Is it? You sure? Let's read it in context. Let's read the scripture in context. Let's go back to to verse 14. Now, let, let me set this up for you. Paul is writing this letter from a Roman prison. And what this letter really is is a thank you note to the Philippian church to say thank you for your, for your money, for your love offering. So the last part of verse 4 is really just a big thank you for what you did for me. So that's verse 14. We'll pick it up. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. 
Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I was sent out from Macedonia, pay attention to this, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For Verse 16, for when, when I was with you, for, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Verse 17, not that I desire your gifts. Pay attention to very close to this. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. Where do you think that account's at? Where? So you're pointing up. You're, you think it's a trick question, but it's really not. You're pointing up. Okay, that, that works. <laughs> Verse 18, I've received full payment and have more than enough. He's like, you've helped me. I'm doing fine. I'm not worried about me. I want to make sure that that. More is credited to your account. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Then he says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now I'm going to ask you again, who's yours? Who's he talking to? He's talking to a group of people that said, We're going to listen to God, and we're going to obey Him. And and here's the part you're going to push back. I've heard people, and and please, I'm I'm really praying that I say this in a way that's not judgmental and that's not condescending, because you guys that know me know my heart and know that's not who I am. But can I tell you, just because you see a, a scripture like that pulled out of context in Facebook and say, well, I know... I know God's going to meet my need. He promised me he'd meet his Did he? Did he promise that he'd bail you out a debt when you walked in all by yourself? Now listen to me. I understand that there are times when God supernaturally, because he's a God of grace and mercy and love, when when he'll supernaturally meet a need. And I bet if, let's just do that. How many of you, there's been a time when God supernaturally met a financial need in your life? Me too, me too. And I'm not saying otherwise. But the promise in Philippians 4 is that when we are obedient to God's word, then God promised he would supply our needs. You with me? So, if, did, did that throw you off when, I, when, when he said, what I desire is that more be credited to your account? So I guess since the widow only put in just a little bit, she must have a real low balance on her account. Jesus said it like this, calling his disciples to him. Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put into the treasury, has put more into the treasury than all the others. How many know that Jesus isn't concerned with the zeros? See, the only way this widow could drop in all that she had in the offering was because she had a confidence in the God that she served, that he would take care of her. She held money loosely. It didn't hold her. So God was able to use her. Listen, this old lady, we don't even know her name, 
But Jesus used her to tell a story of obedience for 2,000 years. I'm going to say it like this, and you're not going to like it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Don't handle your money like it's yours and expect God to pay your bills like they're His. Did you get that? Can I tell you practically what that looks like? If you make $20,000 a year, you got no business driving a $30,000 car. You with me? Is that... You, you know what we've learned how to do in this, in this nation? We've learned the power of one simple little word. No. Well, I make $20,000 a year. I want a $30,000 Mustang. Ford Motor Credit, for some crazy reason, said I could have it. No. You got no business driving that kind of car. And here's what we'll do. We'll sign the papers. And then three months later, when the payment book shows up and the new car smells is gone and the insurance guy wants his money, oh, God, how did I get here? And we want God to bail us out. And here's what God will likely do. He, hey, I'm not God. Maybe he drops you a check in the mail. I don't know. But here's what he'll likely do. He'll likely take you down a process to teach you how to never get down that road again. Well, it's funny. I told you guys the last time we had this conversation that Don and I were on a journey to get debt free. And, and, and what's funny is how many know that when, when you're in trouble, nobody wants to give you any money? You, you know, you can, you can beg for a loan when you're, when you're buried and nobody's going to give you money. But when you start doing a little better, I get stuff in the mail every day. People wanting to get, what's in your wallet? You know what's in my wallet? $28, two debit cards, and a Chick-fil-A A-list card. Thank you, Mikey Life. I'm, listen to me. I, I used to be that guy that if we didn't have it, I had access to it because I carried a plastic deal. I remember Don and I were on vacation one day, one day, one year. The boys were smaller and we didn't want to go home. You ever been on that road? It's the last day of vacation. You just don't want to go home yet. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're just, just not ready to go home. And so I called. I'm like, can we get in the room for two more nights? Took my credit card down. And it, but can I tell you, those two nights cost me about two years. And here's what we'll do. We'll get in that kind of debt and we'll go, oh, God, how, how did I get here? You with your eyes wide open, you walked into it. And here's what I'm telling you. Yes, there are those times when God, out of his grace and goodness and love for you, may bail you out of those. But more likely than not, you're going to sting a little. How many you know discipline hurts? But if, if a little while of discipline changes your family tree forever, is it, isn't that the most gracious thing God could do? The answer is yes, by the way, if you're reaching for it. That is the most gracious thing God could do. All right. It's in your wallet.
Biblical stewardship, if you're taking notes, write this down. And, and by that, listen, don't, when, I first, when I first put this outline together, instead of the words biblical stewardship, I put giving. But how many know that biblical stewardship is much more than what you give? Biblical stewardship isn't a financial discipline. It's an issue of trust. I want you to listen to this. And and you're going to push again, and I know that. Because I've had too many of these conversations. Dwayne, you don't understand. I know that those principles work for you, and they work for other people, but they don't work for me. You don't understand my circumstance. You don't understand where we find ourselves. You don't understand where we're at. We can't do that. I want you to understand this. The principles in God's word work for anybody. Listen to me. The principles in God's word work for people who don't know Jesus. They work. The principles of not being slave to the lender, about getting out of debt, about learning how to give and learning how to save and living on less than you make. Those are all principles in God's word, by the way. And they'll work for anybody, even if you're not saved. But let me tell you what happens when you tether those principles to a heart that's chasing after Christ. They become supernatural. And they work. Period. And so if you're here and you think, Dwayne, I, I get it, I, I've heard it all, it's, you just don't know my situation. I don't, I don't care to know your situation. I'm sorry, that, I hope that don't hurt your feelings. I, 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 it, it does work. Don't tell me that they don't work when you've never worked them. Did, did that come across? I've had people say, well, Dwayne, I, I tithe for two months. And I didn't tell, that's like saying to I was faithful to my wife for the first two months after we got married. How'd that work out for you? Write this down. How we handle money reveals what or who we trust. See, if I pull out this dollar bill and I look around... On the back, there's four words that says, in God we trust. Really? I think we trust this. And we have more trust in it, the more obscure the picture of the dead president is. You with me? What I believe God wants us to do as his followers, as his, as his children. See, over the course of our lives, a certain amount of this is going to go through our hands. What are we going to do with it? I don't trust this. And any of you that lost money in 2008 when the stock market collapsed shouldn't trust it either. This will fail you. There'll come a day... When this will be no good to anybody. Watch the walking dead. Just saying. 
throw buckets of this around, then it doesn't matter. Y'all don't judge me for watching The Walking Dead. All right. Write this down. If the pursuit is more, you'll never be satisfied. If the pursuit is more, Ephesians, excuse me, Ecclesiastes chapter 5 says this. Those who love money will never have enough. Let's see if I can prove this. All right. If you had Donald Trump's money, would you be running for president? I wouldn't be. I'd be on an island. I'd be, I'd be planting a church in Fiji. People in Fiji need Jesus. I'd be preaching in swimming trunks and a tank top. Hallelujah. But it doesn't matter because if, if that's your pursuit, it'll never be enough. It doesn't matter how many billions, how many zeros come. It doesn't matter because it'll never be enough. If your pursuit is Christ, he will always be enough. That's just the truth. If your pursuit is Christ and his plan and purpose and destiny for your life is your greatest pursuit, can listen to me. He is always enough. Until he's your top button, it doesn't matter what your top button is. It's never going to work right. said, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. Wow. I read an article one time that said four out of five people that won million-dollar-plus lottery winnings said it was the worst thing that ever happened to them. Four out of five. And I thought the same thing you're thinking right now. Well, try me. Last thing I want to ask you to write down, write this down. Jesus doesn't need your money, but he does want your heart. So here's what I'm going to do. Next five minutes of this deal. I'm going to give you six biblical principles. But I'm going to give them to you David Letterman style. From... The last to the first. Okay? I'm going to give you six biblical principles of how you and I can best handle our money. And let, let's, see, let, let's see where it lands us. Five. 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 I said five. I said six, but now I'm saying five. Scratch that. Just like Mikey said six o'clock tonight and we're saying no, that's what I just did then. Five. Number five, give like crazy. Be generous. And, and, and here, I'm, I'm reading your mind. I'd love to, but. I, I'd really like to be able to, but. Fill in the blank. Number four, get out of debt, stay out of debt. Scripture says that the borrower is servant to the lender. So I'm just going to ask you this and just do a quick hole in your head how many masters do you have if the borrower is servant to the lender how many masters do you have y'all stop i got people laying out on across the front row going, oh god (laughs) 
Give like crazy. Be generous. Get out of debt. Stay out of debt. Number four. Number three. I'm lost. (laughs) Get on a budget. Scriptural, by the way. Know the condition of your flock. You're going to love this. They're getting better as they go along, aren't they? Number two, live on less than you make. Here's a profound principle here. And, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a financial wizard. So I took, it took my brain to figure this out, that it's impossible to save money if you're spending more than you make. That's deep and profound stuff right there, isn't it? You can't save when your outgo exceeds your income. Live on less than you make. And number one, here's number one. Put God first in every area of your life, including finances. All right, now, I'm, I'm going to ask you to be a little, I've been a little transparent. I do it every Sunday. I'm going to ask you to be a little transparent. How many of you, as I'm going through this list, five to one, you went, it sounds great. But, and there was a reason pop in your head of why you couldn't do something. Just wave at me. A couple of honest people in the room. Here's what I want you to do. Let's flip that list around. The first thing I'm going to tell you to do when it comes to your area of finances is not worry about your budget, not worry about where you spend your money. Put God first. Make him the top button. Put him first. And if you'll do that, everything else will fall into place. These biblical, if you'll put him first. Well, what, do you understand? I can't get my husband on board. Can't get my wife on board. You do all you can do to put God first. And I, I hope that me throwing some of these practical things didn't take this away. This is a supernatural process. And if you'll put God first, the first thing he may heal might be your relationship with your husband and your wife. If you'll put God first. I'm going to tell you, my wife and I have been on an amazing journey over the last several years. I'm not going to bore you. We don't have time for our story. But we got, we got buried. And, and, and you could cut the tension in our home with a knife. Absolutely true story. I mean, it was every time the phone rang, oh, Lord, who is that? It was bad. Because we'd, we'd had a couple of bad things that happened to us that we had no control over with, and we'd done some stupid stuff that we had control over with, and it just made the perfect storm. Does that relate to anybody? You with me at all? Anybody? And there were some supernatural ways that God helped us, but I'm going to tell you more than, than anything, he put us on a journey to follow his plan. To follow his plan. And listen to me. It works. It works. Dwayne, I, I, I know what you're getting to. You're going to tell me I should be paying my tithes. I should be giving it. You know, I, first of all, that's not my idea. I didn't plant this church and say, okay, here's a great idea of a way we can fund it. We'll just get everybody to give 10% of their income. That wasn't my idea at all. I'd probably come up with 20 or 30. <laughs> it's God's plan. And listen to me, it works. I don't, I don't, know, how the, I don't know how this works, y'all. I, 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 I'm a little bit of a nerd, just so you know, if you had not figured that out. I'm a spreadsheet 
you know, everything line up kind of person. Here's what I know to be true. When, I, when I'm obedient to God with the first part of my income. There's, there's stuff left over. When I'm not, we struggle. Period. God's got a great plan for your family. But I, 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 need, to, I need to step away from, from some of that for just a second. I'm going to let you go. See, what I'm really getting to is this. If God doesn't own your heart, it doesn't matter what's in your wallet. God's not in sole possession of your heart. It doesn't matter. I don't care how much money you have, how big your income is, you'll never be content if God's not the top button. The rest of your life just will not line up. You'll never, you'll never know the peace that you can know. You'll never know the contentedness that you can know. Now, that doesn't mean you'll always drive the car you want and live in the house you want and wear the clothes that you want. But there's a contentedness that only comes through putting God first that you just cannot imagine if you've never walked in it. I've been in ministry a little over 20 years. I was a youth pastor for most of that. And you know what my job was for many, many years is taking up the offering every Sunday. You know what I've never had? I've never had anyone come to me and say, Dwayne, I've been a faithful tither, and I've been giving above my tithe to, to the work of God, and it was the worst mistake I've ever made. I wish I could have that money back. Not one person. But let me tell you what I have heard testimony after testimony after testimony. God's met all my needs. I've done all I can do to be obedient to him, and he's met every need in my life. Listen to me. The people that I know that are the most contented, most generous, listen, because this word is going to grab some of you, the most people at peace that I know are people who have put God first in the area of finances. It's just true. But it all has to start with who owns your heart. I promise you, I'm not here trying to raise money for our church. If, if, if we wanted to take time, I could tell you how God has, has absolutely blessed us and, and provided for us. We don't owe anybody a nickel apart from our rent that we pay on this building. Not a nickel. We don't owe anybody anything. And that's because people have been faithful. And listen to me. God wants that for you. I I want you to just dream with me for a minute. I believe God wants you debt free. I believe God wants you blessed in such a way that your life can be a conduit of blessing for the kingdom of God. And that only happens, listen, it only happens when you put him first. Pray with me. Um, 
I believe that there's a couple different kinds of people in the room today. And if we would, we would take the time, which we're not going to, to, to go around the room and, and talk about how God has worked in your finances. I, I know we'd hear some amazing testimonies. And I'd also know that we'd hear some stories of intense struggle. And, and I don't want you to hear these next couple of words. I, I want you to listen to these words with your heart. God's not... Maybe you're here and, and you haven't plugged into God's plan of finances. Maybe you've not been a giver. Not, you, you've, not been a, you, you've not been a tither. You've not been generous. You, it's not because you really don't want to. It's just because you, you just hadn't seen a way. I want you to listen to me. God's not mad at you. God's not punishing you. It's not how this works. But here's what God desperately wants. He wants your heart. And if you're at, if, if there's a conflict between the God little g of money and the big G God in your heart, Jesus said it like this. You can't serve God and money. So you've you got to make a choice. You're going to serve God or you're going to serve money. And, and let me tell you what serving money might look like. That's not just necessarily a pursuit of more. It, it, it might be you laying in bed at night stressed and worried about the next bill. Uh, stressed and worried about whether or not you're going to get the promotion. Stressed and worried about whether or not your raise is going to come through. Stressed and worried about uh, your debt situation. See, that's not God's plan for you. Because if you put Him first and let Him capture your heart and then go on a journey into His Word about how his plan works. Can I tell you? The Bible talks about peace that transcends understanding, and it can be yours. I, be, I, I can only say that because I'm living it. Now, we're not out of debt, but we're a lot closer today than we were a few, a, a few years ago. We're a lot closer today than we were a few months ago. And can I tell you, the atmosphere of our home has changed. And I'm not say, telling you that to, to pat Dwayne on the back. I'm telling you that because I want you to hear God's plan works. So if you're here, you know, and I, in, in, in the interest of, of letting you be private, I'm just going to pray for you. Now, obviously, these altars are open. If you need to kneel around these altars, you know that they're always there. But I am confident that there are those of you here that, that this is a big deal for. You say, Dwayne, I'd, I'd love to be able to, to give more, but we, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to write a check. I'm not asking you to do any of that. Today's prayer is about surrendering your heart. Surrendering, casting your care on Christ because he cares for you. And then going on a journey, finding out what his plan is. And listen to me, I'm going to make a very bold statement. If you'll surrender your heart to Christ, all of it, even the part that you're worried about, and go on a plan and follow his plan, it will work. It may take time. But let me ask you a question. If God sent you on a journey that took seven years, but it changed the rest of your life, would it be a good journey? Yeah. 
It took three years. It took five years to get you into a place of financial. You know, I'm, I'm borrowing a term from Dave Ramsey. Don't mean to, but a place of peace in your finances. It, it works. God's word works if you work it. So I'm going to pray for you. If you're here and, and this is a source of stress in your home, I'm not going to tell you to write a check. I'm going to tell you to surrender your heart. To surrender your care. To surrender your worry. And to get on a plan to follow Christ in this particular area. Dwayne, I'm say, I didn't say you weren't saved. I said that there's a part of your heart that wasn't surrendered. And I don't say that judgmentally. I say that because I've, I've been there. Father, in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that you love us enough to take control of our lives when we surrender our hearts to you. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who bought our freedom, bought our life, paid for our sin. And God, our prayer today is it's very little to do with dollars and cents with tithes and offerings, with debt and credit cards, car payments. Our prayer today is, God, that we would surrender our heart completely to you. We know you've got a plan. And so, God, if there's areas of our heart that remain unsurrendered, if, if there are things that we worry about, God, we just want to surrender them to you today. And God, I pray for families that are here today that are walking through financial difficulty. God, would you just open your word to them and give them an incredible confidence in the power of your word and of your plan. And that if we'll follow your plan, there's peace available. God, I thank you God, I know the enemy would love to destroy families because of this issue. But God, we know that you've got a plan to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us hope and a future. And for that, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.